everyone. Welcome back to Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford. Handshakes this time around. Yep. How we finally got yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Almost there. Uh, we got this a couple is, now. We got a couple. <laughs> this is a special <laughs> all-star break pre uh, recap of what's happened so far for Danny so far this season with you personally mm -hmm. and the Lakers. The latter portion of this episode will be interviews that we conducted during All-Star Weekend as the Lakers coaching staff was there, LeBron and AD played, as well as Dwight Howard in the Slim Dunk competition. But before we get to all that, let's talk about the guy to my left. Danny, yeah. uh, the Lakers should be number one in the Western Conference as we're taping this, or by the time this comes out at least. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, let's have some fun here. Yes. What has been your favorite team moment, and I know how you do, Yes. I know how you do. Oh, I can't pick one. No, you got to pick one. I don't one. have a favorite anything. You know this about me. Okay. What is I have the... a couple of favorite moments I can give you. Okay. Give me three. Give me three? Okay. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I like the fact about our team that regardless if we win or lose, we enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. um, the most recent one that we had a lot of fun in, our trip to New York. We were there for a couple of days. We had just gotten got our ass kicked in Boston. <laughs> Even though we got our ass kicked in Boston, we still had a, we landed in New York. We still came together as a group and um, had a good time. I don't think, I think everybody was there. We were all together and we had a good time in New York. The first night there and a couple of days there. Um, one or two games in New York, I had a, a wonderful team bonding experience on the trip. Um, another time was one of my favorite moments is Utah. <clears throat> because okay. it's Utah. That's early in the city. Yes. Um, early in the season, sorry. And because it's Utah, and because in my 10 years of playing in the NBA, I've never been out in Utah ever in my life. <laughs> I, I've never expected much of it. But oh, somebody knows the deal? Kuz went to school there. Oh, yes. We have Duds on the team. Duds, he has connections, knows a lot of people. We have a lot of guys with connections to people, but they set up something nice for the team because we stayed over, and we actually had a blast. The whole team, once again, came together. It was a win this time, and um, I had a fun time in Utah which I never thought I'd ever have. 11 years in the league, you never and went never out thought Utah. I have, never been on Utah. I never thought Utah had what it had brought to it. Utah is a hidden treasure. <laughs> and oh. um, has some fun stuff. You'd like it. Um, okay. So we enjoyed ourselves. We had a well, team a bonding game. experience. Chess, I love chess. Good game, yes. And um, you know, it was one of our first real together, you know, as a group early in the season type of uh, parties. That one and Phoenix was also early in the season too. Those mm -hmm. two. Uh, our early in the season team bonding experiences that we had a, a great time. We just went bowling in Phoenix, but it was a lot of time. It was a lot of fun, and we okay. had a good time. So those are probably my top three. Um, those, those are two. Give me something on the hardwood. On the oh, on the hardwood, huh? Give me two off the court. I can appreciate the off the court yes. information. Those are more important to me than on the court. But there has to be on one the court, on the court. Favorite moments. Moment. Um, moment as a team. Moment. Yes, please. That's tough, man. Oh, we've had so many special moments throughout the year, from AD's lobs to bronze dunks, bronze passes, uh, does passes, duds. What's the first moment that comes to your mind? Team moment. Yes. I'm thinking of a, a good win that we had. I want to say OKC. Mm. OKC, me, Bron, AD sit out. Um, and our guys went in and played, they played their asses off, man. And they got a huge win on the road after a back-to-back. -back. And, um, you know, it was fun to see, fun to be around, fun to watch. 
and be a part of it and see, you know, the other guys that, you know, don't get a chance to actually get as much you know, time as they would like to, to actually get out there and actually, you know, make some things happen, you know, put their best foot. We're so deep as a team. Any one of our guys could be starting for other teams or, or playing heavy minutes for other teams. And I think it showed that game. So that was a, the great team moment and accomplishment for us this season as a group. Um, individually, I yeah, can go. And I, you only pick one. And I, so can I put out the candidates at least? Go ahead, man. So I would have said the Clippers game, which the first season opener, mm-hmm. most points for a, in a Lakers debut. But we lost. But you lost. <clears throat> I would also try to say, well, then there's two other ones. Okay. There was the end of regulation three in Dallas. That sent yes, us to overtime. overtime. And then there Atlanta. was, and this one, uh, I think it's actually going to be the winner now that I think about it. I won't tell you why. But the put-back dunk. In Atlanta. It, no, versus Atlanta. It was in Staples Center. Yes. Well, I don't know. There might be some other candidates that I'm not For thinking sure. about. I got two. Okay. Because um, I don't like to ever highlight myself. Um, but I, I like eight. My, I was put myself in this because for me, it was I threw the lob. My lob to AD was probably one. Which one? The one he caught and lost the gum. And you see Duds in the background with his hands up. Yep. That was a fun time. But obviously the put-back dunk because I think it had more special meaning behind it, uh, being the fact I think Kobe was in the building that mm-hmm. night. That was his last – I think believe that might have been his last game. Might have been. And I actually – I think that was the game that I got a chance to see him and speak. Um, so that for sure was my favorite individual moment, was to be able to perform and play in front of him and also see him after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the last time. I'm sure he was like, Danny got, Danny got hops. I'm sure everybody <laughs> in the building was like, what, what the hell? <laughs> Something strange is going on. Yeah. So. Uh, first of all, like your shirt. Thank you. Notice it says Australia. Yes. But you're not going to Australia. No. Puma's go- done some great things with collabs, but, mm-hmm. you know, sending out condolences and prayers to all of Australia, the things that mm-hmm. they're going through. Um, I follow closely because I have a very close friend, a family member, uh, brother, Patty Mills. Um, you know, I got a chance to see him recently. We played in San Antonio, and still, he's my guy. He's my brother. Uh, sucked, still sad that I didn't get a chance to go to his wedding because um, prior obligations. Um, but you know, he's updating me every day what's going on. Show him and Baines, mm-hmm. both two Australian teammates that I've had that I've considered brothers, Aaron Baines, and updating us what was going on uh, in Australia and, and how much they're hurting and grieving right now. So. Uh, sending uh, condolences and prayers out to all of my Australian, uh, my brothers first, and of course the Australian uh, people and all the Australians of mm-hmm. the world. Um, you know, we are thinking of you and we are praying for you. Well done. Um, yes, yes. So thinking of another place in the yeah, world. Yes. Where place you? I haven't been yet. I always wanted to oh, go. We'll make that happen. Yes. We'll do a live taping out there. That would be. We're going to get Jet on it. You got right. two different handshakes. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jed, you got some work to do, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, real quick. Well, not real quick, because I might want some details. Where are you going for this all-star break? Because you're not – L.A. is already a, a so vacation it's, it's city vacation. itself. I was thinking about just staying home and just working out and doing nothing because my game probably needs to work right now. We'll talk about that. But, uh, no, I just like to stay fresh. I like to get back early, leave later, you know, always get some workout in during the vacation. Um, and I was thinking of going to Hawaii because the GF, she always wanted to go, and I think she's never been. You're right, and you're right there. And it's right there. It's close. Um, but first, um, it's 
my little my younger brother's last year of playing college basketball. So he's a senior at Indiana University. Um, he did just have a birthday, so happy uh, late birthday, Devontae Green. Uh, love you, man. And also my other younger brother, Dante Green. His birthday was in the last month. Happy you know, late birthday to him. He's 15 and Devontae's 23 now, but I'm going to go check out an Indiana game versus Dope. Iowa in IU, at IU. Nice. Um, Assembly Hall. Yeah, so the day after we play Denver, I'm flying to Indiana, and they play the next day. I'm going to check out that game. And then after that, um, I was talked into going to Cabo by uh, some of my fellow teammates. Uh, I didn't know everybody was going. We talked about it in the locker room. It's a great thing about our team. We talk about a lot of plans that we do, and we kind of do it together, which is said hadn't had that in a while. And then, so um, it was it said it's great to be a part of it. And anything you do team bonding-wise, she was like, yeah, let's, might as well do that. I think that's more important to be around you, your guys. Yeah. So obviously you'll be with me, but so we're going to do probably guys and bring their girlfriends and wives and go to Cabo and we'll have some time. We'll do some team stuff and probably some family stuff and girlfriends and wives stuff. But, um, you know, I think it'd be a good trip. I heard a lot of guys are going, and it should be a fun, nice little break. Dang, let's keep it real here. This is mm -hmm. what we do here on Inside the Green Room. We do. We, we try to you keep know, it funky. You don't get tired of your teammates. You don't get a little vacation getaway. <laughs> Not these guys, man. We have a lot of fun together. Yeah. Um, mine just said it's, it's, a, it's a good 50-50 mix. Um, you know, when it's just on the road, it's just them, and you're at home, it's just, you know, the, the girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, at home, some guys still go out. I go out sometimes not as much. But um, I think this trip will have, you know, I get to spend time with her and then, you know, do time with them and then probably have both, integrate both of them, which That's I think the will be great world. for the families. You know, yeah. everybody get to know each other a little better, um, pass the trade deadline, hopefully everybody's still there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can, you know, become, you know, a stronger family and a uh, bond and not just on the court but off the court. If our families are in tune and, and actually, uh, you know, like each other mm -hmm. and communicate, it makes us as much stronger as a, as a, as a group. Okay, I, I like that. And so hopefully when, when you come back, It'll be the, the stretch run of the season. Yes. But before we discuss the stretch run real quick, I just want to, I'm going to point out some stats. Okay. Last year, yes. 27.7 minutes per game, 10.3 mm -hmm. points per game, 46% from the field, 45% from three, mm -hmm. with your career average at 40.2, 84.1 84 free throw percentage, four rebounds per game. That was last year. Mm -hmm. You're looking at this too, right? Yes, I'm looking okay. at it right now. I'm so at this it. year, 24.8 minutes per game. 8.7 points per game, 41.7 mm -hmm. field goal percentage, 37.2 from three, and 70% from the free throw yeah, line, that, which that, I'm sure you're tight about. Me, I know you're tight about that that's one. That's probably the most frustrating. Yeah, and then, but a career high in steals per game, 1.3. Which is weird, too, um, with the less minutes. I guess maybe I'm doing a lot more reaching. As mm -hmm. In your older years, your feet don't move as, as well, so you have to use more hands. Mm -hmm. um, so... As you, look at, as you look at the discrepancy, mm -hmm. and obviously there's a whole bunch of season to play, yeah. um, and obviously you're seen as a, a playoff asset you know, yes. just because of your history. Mm -hmm. When you look at that, how do, you, how do you take it in? And I'm sure you're probably more aware of it than I even was. Yeah, um, I try not to look at the numbers ever, mm. especially when the numbers are good. When numbers are bad, it's always good to take in and see, all right, you know what, I need for sure free throws. I knew for sure I need to get that up. Like, can't miss any more free throws. Um, but shooting, of course, it's always been a New Year's resolution. It's always been an all-star break resolution. Like, it's always get back in tune, get refocused. Uh, but I think Coach Vogel has done a great job with keeping guys fresh. And I said the minutes is probably what shows him. And I thought it was less than that, to be honest with you, because mm -hmm. he's been – everybody plays, everybody plays, and he's not overworking anybody. Um, AD and Brian probably could use a little extra a couple yeah. minutes of break. But 
outside of that, you know, everybody's pretty much fresh. And I think he tries to keep in mind, like, oh, you had a long season last year. Mm. We're going to try to, you know, minimize you when we have to. If we don't need you, then we'll probably, you know, keep you out. Um, but I was leading, so I have to get the shooting back up. You know, it's just finding a rhythm, getting a rhythm, keeping my own rhythm. Because uh, a lot of times you're not going to have rhythm. And I think we're at our best when we're in transition. But when teams slow down in half-court set, you got to, you know, find your own, your own way, find your own rhythm, find your own spots. And, of course, then the regular field goal percentage. Uh, steals, of course, I want to keep high. I want to get my blocks back up. Yep, yep. Um, but the regular percentage relies on three-point percentage, too. But also the bunnies. Um, missed a couple of bunnies last game. Smoked, mm-hmm. the, smoked the layup. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure you're focusing and not, you know, take my time. And I think, actually, this year I've been doing a better job of actually taking my time in the paint and, and finishing. I was going to um, point that out. And I think that has a lot to do with the coaching. The coach is like, you're not a bad finisher. You just rush. If you just take your time. And I think that's a little other thing with the three-pointers. You know, I don't get open often. When I do get open, or if I do get a look, it's like, oh, you got to get the shot off. Or you got to, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking your time, shooting it, playing at your own pace, and relaxing and knowing that you have the shot and just, you know, being confident in it. So, um, and it's always every category I want to do better in, regardless mm-hmm. of how good it is or how bad it is. Even last year, I was like, you know what, I want to shoot better. I still want to get my percentage up. So, um Something to refocus on. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing, and, and you and I talked about it this offseason, especially when I saw you back in good old Long Island, mm-hmm. um, you've, it seems as if you're more comfortable this year with contingency dribbles or mm-hmm. contingency moves. A, a, a guy flies by you, you go up, shoot it, and shoot the three. More comfortable, or you move to the side, yeah, step think- backs. And it, sh- and it shows because this year, I think if I'm reading the stats correctly here, mm-hmm. With a defender within two feet of you, you're actually 40% from three, mm-hmm. which was 30, and you were 36 last year, and last year was one of your best shooting threes from last year. So it's where mm-hmm. the, it's the open shots this year where you've missed them. Mm-hmm. And you, you just talked about that, just rushing because you don't got to get used to being this open yeah. or the opportunities that you do get open. But I will say, ju- especially judging off of last year, because I remember how Warriors were guarding you, it was hard to get space sometimes. Mm-hmm. It looks as you've improved contingencies in the event that defenders sticking to you or they're jumping at you? Well, you know, you got a guy like Phil Handy who's been helping you every day working on some stuff. It, it helps. Um, and also coaches that are confident you and let, and let you handle the ball more. You know, they, they're not saying, oh, don't, don't run pick and rolls for Danny Green. You know, don't do DHO. They're actually encouraging it more because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have lob threats. It's easy to make, it's easy to play pick and rolls, easy to play DHO or certain actions when you guys, when you have guys like AD, JaVale, Dwight, because you either, you, it's hard to make mistakes. You either get a shot floater or you can just throw it up by the rim if you get a mistake and they're gonna they're gonna, you know, make something happen. Um, so, you know, they're more confident in me, coaches allow me to do more pick and roll, more dribbles and let me play a game. They're not limiting me to like, oh, you need to just shoot threes and do this. Um, obviously coach would like certain things, but you know, you know, they're pretty free with letting us be us and do our own thing and, and letting us be confident in it. And when you allow a player to do that, it, it makes them comfortable in doing those things. So I'm probably more comfortable in getting a rhythm with getting a dribble now in the system that we have than actually catch, now I just got to get the catch and shoot down. So I get yeah, the catch you, and shoot down, it'll be all right. Yeah, then, yeah, then we're really talking. <clears throat> it's 51 uh, last year. That's crazy. Huh? I didn't know I was 51 last year. Catch and yeah, shoot. yeah, you were doing your thing. Mm-hmm. But, again, you're shooting really well with defenders close to you this year, better than you did last year. Weird. At least. Um, yeah. We got to go. You got to go on vacation. Yes, sir. But remember what we did last year? We spoke a lot of things into existence. We did. So I'm thinking at least like 42% from three for the rest of the season. I would like to. Um, I think I think after All-Star break, the goal is to stay at 50 from that point on. 
which Ooh. will bring everything up. So if you do 50 from the rest of that point on, then it will be... 50? From All-Star on. I mean, it's only, what, four weeks after All-Stars, but how many... How All many? of March. Uh, six weeks, probably like six weeks. Yeah, so, I mean, the goal, the goal is 50. For, that, for those six weeks? The goal is 50. It'll bring the percentage up to 42, 43, maybe. Something like that, even if not better. If not Depending better. How many you take? But if you, that's, that's, that's the goal, you probably land somewhere close to it. But if I can stay at 50 from there on out, and that's always been the goal. Every night I go out and try to shoot at least 50. I could dig it. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. Enjoy your vacation. I appreciate you, bro. You too. Yes, sir. I'll be in Chicago. Oh, enjoy that. <laughs> uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in. More on this episode with interviews from all of the All-Star Weekend festivities. Welcome back to Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford here at All-Star Weekend with the one and only Howard Beck of Bleach Report. I think I should copy. I can't copy my friend Zach Lowe. You can. Everybody does it. It's fine. He has not trademarked it. To my knowledge, he has not sued anybody for royalties when they've used it. So have at it. There you go. What up, Beck? What up? <laughs> I know Danny's been on your show one time. Yes, I um, owe you one. So this yeah. is good. I can repay. Well, we actually have to get you in the studio with Danny. Danny's in, I think I could spoil it now. He's in Mexico. I think he's joining a bunch. The team is supposed to be joining him in Mexico as well. Um, actually, I'm, I'm curious to your response to that. Danny said that this the best team chemistry he's had in his entire, I guess, 11-year career now. Yeah. And he's one of the pieces of evidence for that was the team all going to Cancun, I believe it is, or Mexico all together. Just, I'm sure you've seen examples of team chemistry like that before, but Danny's been on some pretty good teams. Did that, ever, did that statement take you aback? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's easy for guys to throw out platitudes like that, right? Um, But one, I don't think, and you know Danny better than I do, clearly. (laughs) I don't think he's one to just kind of cavalierly throw that kind of stuff out unless he really means it. And yes, the the second thing that strikes you is, all right, wait, he's on a Raptors team that won the championship. Now, granted, he's only there a short time. He was on a bunch of great Spurs teams and won a championship there. And and clearly the Spurs, that's like chemistry and a team environment or a family kind of environment with that team like is very much the hallmark of the spurs right that pop and and rc buford cultivate there and that duncan cultivated and 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 manu and all those guys so yes it's saying a lot it's saying a lot for danny to say that about this laker team and if they're all actually vacationing together during all-star break that it i mean look you hear this all the time that even teams that like each other, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of cabin fever over the course of a season. There has to be. Like, you love your family, but you don't want to be with them every day. And, like, when you are an NBA player on, you know, on a team like this, you are together, practices, shoot-arounds, bus rides, flights. Every, you can get sick of each other, even if you like each other. Even if you've got great chemistry, you still might want a break, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That they want to spend that time to get. I'm actually a little worried for them. <laughs> exactly like, right. You yeah. Might, like, if, if you, don't spoil a good thing. If you're not worn <laughs> out on each other, keep it fresh. Like, there you maybe, go. Maybe vacation separately. Um, no, I, obviously, seriously, like that's mm-hmm. a, it's a really great sign about any team to hear that, and um, and really remarkable too because I will say, last point on this, it's the Lakers. They're kind of drama prone. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of expected that. Um, we in the media, you know, uh, all right. So, you know, I guess we, we misfired on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, coaching staff, been fine. Um, the, the integration of, of Anthony Davis and some other new pieces, including Danny, like not that you ever worry about integrating him, but it, it's, it's all been, been very, very smooth. Mm-hmm. And um, it, that, I think that bodes really well for them. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about 
the Lakers' future prospects going forward the second half of the season. But as you mentioned, that as we talked about their team chemistry, obviously something that's brought them together is the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter. We recently heard that the MVP award here at the All-Star Game is going to be named after Kobe Bryant. What did you? Uh, what was your reaction when Adam Silver first said that? And, and how do you think that you know, serves the legacy of what Kobe's left for us? How's, how fitting is it in, yeah. from your perspective? No question. Um, once the initial shock of it all started to subside, and in some ways I feel like it still has not subsided three weeks later, um, it, it is still shocking. But when you started to think about as we moved between that date and the All-Star weekend, what will the NBA do? What should the NBA do to honor him? Teams were talking about what they could do. Players have done a lot. Uh, obviously, players who have given up their 24 or their number eights in, yeah. in honor of him. Um, there's a number of different ways to, to, to honor him, including 24s and 2s in the All-Star game itself to honor him and, and Gianna. But something more permanent, it seemed like an obvious thing. The All-Star, somehow, I don't know how, but the MVP award for the All-Star game never had... Crazy, it was crazy never to think about. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the, the finals MVP is the Bill Russell Award, but even that's a, a fairly recent uh, adoption of, of his name for that award. And so this one was open. It was open, it was obvious, the timing was perfect, and oh yeah, Kobe Bryant played his friggin' ass off in the All-Star mm -hmm. game, tied the record with four MVP awards in the All-Star game, uh, record 18 in a row All-Star games, and Kobe played the All-Star game for the most part, like it was a game, like mm -hmm. it mattered. He didn't just wave it off as an exhibition, and I've said this many times and I've written it, that the, you know, you don't have to treat it like game seven of the finals, but we do, you know, the, the league's doing going to all these great measures the last several years to try to like get guys to care a little more about the All-Star game, play a little harder, play a little bit of defense so it looks like a real basketball game and, and make the game feel a little bit more vital than it's been in recent years. And I'm not the only one saying this. Like Chris Paul himself has it's talked to Adam Silver about we got to do something. That's how they started down this road of all these changes in the first place. But the idea of naming the All-Star Award, MVP Award, after Kobe is, is just so perfect because he did not treat this like just some throwaway, some exhibition. If he was on the court, he, mm. wanted, to, he wanted to kick your ass. And that's a great example for him yep. to have set. And I hope that the, the, you know, the young All-Stars of today, if they want to really honor Kobe, do what he did, man. Like, play, you know, play hard, play, play hard all the time, and, and even in games that are labeled as quote unquote exhibitions. Mm -hmm. I, I think fans and media alike would love if you got that tenacity back in the All Star game, or at least in some aspects. And we're recording least. this before the game has been yes. played. We should note. So, for all we know, they're going to have gone at it hard and and, it. <laughs> and and done it the way we'd like to see yes. it by the time people listen to this. So that would let's be hope. Great. Let's hope that they did. That would be great. Uh, so. Derek Fisher had a note for the guys on the team. He said, don't leave any stone unturned. Go to every practice, every film session, and give it all your all. And that's something that the, the team is going to do going forward now, especially in the light of the Kobe passing. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's what made him bring that up. What do you think the Lakers' prospects are in terms of winning the championship? I know a lot of Lakers fans disappointed that Darren Collison wasn't, um, didn't decide to come back. He decided to stay retired, at least for now. They didn't make the Marcus Morris trade. They didn't make a potential trade for uh, the DJ Augustines or the Derrick Roses of the world. And so this is the roster for what it seems like, yeah. unless Deion Waiters comes into the mix or something along those likes. Yeah. How would you evaluate them specifically versus the Clippers and the presumed favorite in the East, the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, obviously, you know, the Clippers seem to have their number at the moment. Um, and the Clippers were the team that 
all due respect to Danny and the gang, I, I had the Clippers as, as the, the team coming out of the West and winning the championship mm -hmm. and, uh, when we all make our silly preseason predictions that are worth nothing. Um, but, you know, you, you evaluate it the best you can. And to me, the Clippers have some elements, some advantages that the Lakers don't have. I think a little bit better depth. And I think, you know, when you've got a three-time sixth man of the year sitting there in Lou Williams, who could win a fourth for all we know, and Montrez Harrell, who was... You know, could have been the seventh man of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, he was right in the running there too. They just have an, an extra uh, weapon there, or a couple of weapons that I don't think the Lakers have. When Anthony Davis and LeBron are not on the court, when one or the other isn't on the court, there's there's nobody else to step into that breach. And as long as they're playing at the level that they're playing, LeBron and AD can lead this team all the way. There's no question. Mm -hmm. I just think that you have you know moments during a season and possibly during a playoff series where you could use a Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell kind of one-two punch. And so that's the advantage the Clippers have had. Now you bring in Marcus Morris, and what I, what's great for the Clippers in making that move is not only did they keep Marcus Morris potentially from the Lakers, and who knows how, if he didn't go to the Clippers, would he have automatically been traded to the Lakers? We can't ex assume that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a keep-away move on some level, too. But you now have Marcus Morris and Kawhi and Paul George mm -hmm. and Montrez Harrell, for that matter, who can all at some point go try to disrupt LeBron and, and getting getting his, his way a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. No one's stopping LeBron, but you can make life a little harder. And if you've got multiple guys who can uh, competently guard him, especially mm -hmm. two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, in Kawhi and Paul George, and then Marcus Morris is you know pretty tough dude, um, and he can stretch the floor on offense. Mm -hmm. So a, a great pickup for them. And so it takes a team that I thought was already strong and potentially made it stronger. I think the Clippers at times. The chemistry seems a little wonky, maybe because Paul George missed so many games and Kawhi still takes some games off here and there for load management, and, and, and Pat Beverly's missed some games. So I think they're still trying to find their way a little bit. Mm -hmm. So while they've been really good against the Lakers, they, they've, you know, their, their record is maybe not quite as, as great as it, as it could be otherwise. And, and the Lakers' chemistry feels pretty much perfect. Yep. And I think there's something to be said for having an obvious pecking order. It's LeBron and AD, and that's everybody else. And mm -hmm. everybody knows their role. And that the simplicity of that, I think, is, is really very much to the Lakers' advantage. As you mentioned, pecking order, there is one thing that Lakers Twitter, and we'll let you go here in a moment, Lakers Twitter is not happy about the pecking order when it comes to the secondary playmaker on the team. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Lakers Twitter's fan base is not happy with Rajon Rondo, and that's part of the reason why they wanted Collison or Derrick Rose, and the, a lot of the Lakers fan base would love Alice Caruso to get more playing time. It's a very difficult challenge, you would imagine, for Frank Vogel yeah. going forward because Rajon Rondo has a history of playing well, playing well in big games. Russo has shown signs all year of being able to handle the ball, put force on the basket, cutting well off of LeBron. Seems to be a better catch-and-shoot player for LeBron. How do you think Frank Vogel has managed that, and how do you think he should manage it going forward? Well, it's understandable, Frank Vogel, being in his first year there, your first choice, and I think most coaches kind of lean this way, is you're going to want to rely on your veterans first, right? Like Rondo's going to have every chance, as I think he should, mm -hmm. to you know to 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 uh, sink or swim as as a you know primary backup playmaker or as the, you know the next playmaker after LeBron. Um, the guy's won a championship. The guy has been in a lot of big playoff games, a big playoff series. You know he's not going to get rattled by anything. We know where his weaknesses are in, in terms of shooting, um, and although he's he's hit some big shots in his day too. I understand wanting to lean that way over young guys, especially when you're a team with championship aspirations. And, you know, obviously Alex Caruso, I mean, man, cult hero mm -hmm. and, 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 and really fantastic story. But 
is he the guy that with his, his limited experience and limited resume that you really want to rely on in the postseason? I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, the case could be made for him, for sure. I think that that's why you have you – know, look, the regular season is not just to build up a great record and get home court. Lakers don't need home – Lakers can be anywhere. Yep. LeBron teams can be anywhere in the damn standings. They don't need home court. You only got to win one road game in a, in a series to flip that. I don't think they have to worry about that. They'll probably end up with home court anyway, minimally in the West, probably not for the finals if they make it, but uh, because Milwaukee's record is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, but you use the regular season to tinker, too, and to, to, to test guys out and to see what you really, you know, how, how, how well you, uh, or how confident you really are in, in each individual guy. So maybe we'll see that shift down the stretch. Maybe it will be more emphasis on Caruso over Rondo. I'll be curious to see how that evolves. Yeah, no, it's a unique challenge. Obviously, a really good roster, really good record, but ways that they can improve as well. Howard, thank you for your time. I know you didn't give us the full 48. <laughs> More like a full 10, 12. Yeah, somewhere in that range. I, I probably owe you a little bit still. Yeah, so. no, no, thank you. Thank you for your time. Hopefully we can get you in the studio when you head out to LA. Would love to, absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. That's Howard Beck from Bleach Report, the full 48 podcast. Make sure to take a listen. Thank you for tuning in to more Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. We'll have more interviews coming up. Welcome back to Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford here at All-Star Weekend in Chicago with ESPN senior writer Jackie McMullen. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Harrison. How are you? I'm great. I'm cool. great. I'm a little bit cold, but I'm all oh, right. Yeah. See, I'm from New England. I'm not <laughs> yeah. cold at all. <laughs> no, well, I was in Toronto last year, yeah, so I know so how are you it goes. Cool about? I know yeah. how it goes. Remember that All-Star game in Toronto? That was cold. That was cold. That was yes. cold. The Lakers played the Celtics on Sunday. Okay. ESPN game, big mm-hmm. national game. And as I've watched the Lakers so far this year, it seems as if the Celtics are the type of team that they struggle with. Teams with multiple ball handlers, Jason Tatum, right. Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. Kemba Walker. They had to, they struggled the most recent matchup with the Rockets. They struggled with the Clippers, a bunch of perimeter scoring options. Right, right. How would you evaluate the challenges that the Lakers roster uh, has with those type of teams because obviously on the interior with the senders that they have it helps them but it right. does hurt them on the perimeter so when I look at the Lakers I mean they've had phenomenal first half they've exceeded my expectations and I think many others the one big question I have is this so when LeBron has won his previous titles he had some pretty good perimeter sidekicks Kyrie and then Dwayne Wade pretty mm-hmm. good company in both cases on this team who is that player now this is the Danny Green podcast. <laughs> so Danny has struggled a little bit, I think, from the perimeter. But I still, I mean, I've seen Danny in action. I saw him help Toronto win a championship. He reminds me of Dennis Johnson a little bit in this. He can miss a bunch of shots, but when the game is on the line, he tends to hit the big one. So that's why I think Danny's so important mm-hmm. to the Lakers because I feel like he could be the secret weapon that opens at the perimeter end because as great as Anthony Davis has been, and he has been fantastic, and you could make an argument that he's the defensive player of the year. At the end of games, as we know, when you need to close games, big men, someone has to get them the ball. Mm-hmm. So you need someone else that can either create a shot or hit a shot. So that's why I think Danny is just so pivotal to what they do, not just against the Celtics, but if they really if they want to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, I've watched Danny this year. He's actually struggled relative to his career records with the open three-point right. shots, but he's right. actually shot better with the shot attempts where he's closely guarded. But that's his mentality, <laughs> yeah. right? So that's his mentality from being on 
a, you know, he's been surrounded by championship caliber players from his times with the Spurs, and mm-hmm. I just loved Toronto's makeup. I, if I saw Danny now, which maybe I will at some point soon, I would ask him, like, have you ever had second thoughts about leaving Toronto? Mm-hmm. Because they're so good right now. I would ask Kawhi the same question, by the way, because really a, a, a system and a group of guys that favor what Danny does and what Kawhi does. You know, it's funny when you think about that. Last year, I don't think there's any team, that last not last year, and maybe not even this year, 10 players that could all guard their position right. and all hit threes. And score. The, yeah. yeah, the Serge yeah. Ibaka's, Marcus Well, Souls. and if you look at Toronto this year again now, so I think there's six players averaging double figures, and, you know, I haven't looked at it recently, so I might be a little off on that. But none of them are named Marcus Gasol. Mm. Now think about that. He's one of the most important players, as you know. Yep. And because of the way he screens, and he will hit the you know occasional mm-hmm. three. He's a little relu- more reluctant probably than Nick Nurse would like, but such a huge part of what they do. And that's how I felt about Danny. And that's I still think Danny can have that role with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So it may not be all the time, but just like when the game's on the line, they were talking about Kuzma as their third option. I, I still see Danny as their as their third option mm-hmm. when things really matter. How could you? How do you evolve, uh, evaluate? Kyle Kuzma's performance so far this year. Obviously, Lakers fans have been up and down yeah, with him. I don't him. get that. I don't get why they're so tough on him. He's a young guy who, you know, had a, a breakout year last year who, the way they play doesn't support what he does and he doesn't complain. He just goes out and he plays and he tries to do the best he can. I, I just think everybody should lay off him. Mm. I kind of, this is my new crusade, right? <laughs> All these young players that everybody, you know, Markel Fultz, why, why is everybody... Why did everybody give up on him? You know, Jason Tatum, even in Boston last year, we were all taking about him taking a step back. He was 20 <laughs> and 21 years old. Uh, ben Simmons, why is everybody so focused on what he can't do instead of what he can do? You know, with the exception of Irvin, who won a championship when he was 19, I think, most of the other great champions that we know of, Jordan, LeBron, um, Bird, Julius Irving, Go back. They were all in their mid to late 20s. It takes a while. Mm. Let's give these young players a chance. You spend a lot of time around Rajon Rondo. Yeah, I love Rondo. <laughs> Lakers I fans do. have a Playoff love. Rondo. They haven't seen him yet. Yeah, they have. A, Lakers fans have a love-hate relationship mm-hmm. with Rajon. Of course they do. Uh, and because Darren Collison ha- didn't come to the team, as many had hoped, uh, right. a trade wasn't made for Derrick Rose. Lakers fans and the, the front office team organizations are going to have to rely on Rondo come the playoffs to be that right. secondary playmaker. What would you tell the fans that are skeptical of what Rondo could do in the play in the playoff format? Because right. there goes there's times in the regular season where he frankly doesn't show it. Well, and the splits, we know the splits, the lifetime splits with Rondo, they're just unbelievable. Playoff Rondo is unbelievable. Now it's getting older. He hasn't. I thought he would have a better year. I thought he would he would fit in a little better than he has. Honestly, mm-hmm. this season, I think he has struggled. So I don't know if that's age. Um, he's had some injuries. Mm-hmm. I think more injuries than we know about. Uh, but I just know what he can do in the clutch. You know, Paul Pierce told me I'm silly to even question whether Ronda will be ready. So, and they're still pretty close. Was that a source of frustration for coaches, teammates, trying to get well, a gauge? Uh, you know, Ronda's a different cat. And I remember Doc telling me once, you know, Doc coached him. He coached, coached Chris Paul. And those kind of guys... Mm-hmm. They think they know better than the coach sometimes. And it's their biggest strength and their biggest weakness. And I think sometimes that happens with Rondo. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. And, uh, but in the end, 
as crazy as he, you know, Doc and Rhonda went back and forth, and oh, the angst was ridiculous. And same with Doc and Chris Paul. But in the end, if you put a gun to Doc's head and said, you can have him or not, they always want him. Mm. And I would guess Frank Vogel feels the same way. A quick project, quick prediction from you. Lakers, Clippers, presumably favorites right. to come out the West. Who would you take coming out the West? So at this moment, it's no question the Lakers have been the best team, the most consistent team. But I do worry about what I just said to you earlier, which is Anthony Davis, not his fault. It's hard for big men to close out games. So I know that the Clippers have everything they need in that regard. Mm-hmm. They have multiple um, choices. I thought Marcus Morris was a huge pickup. I covered Marcus in Boston. He's one of the toughest guys I've ever been around. Commands instant respect in the locker room, backs down from nobody, and knows how to hit big shots. So even records aside, if the Clippers can be healthy, and that's an if here because Paul George is out again. Mm-hmm. Hamstrings are tricky. Second time, same injury. If I'm, if I'm Doc Rivers, that makes me nervous. But when they are whole and when they have their whole team on the floor, they're tough to beat. And I just did a podcast with Pat Beverly today, and I'll never bet him again against him ever the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you spent some time around the Celtics. I was looking at the standings, and as the season's developed, that number two seed seems so important, not just because you get to have uh, to play the Bucks potentially in the Eastern Conference right. Finals, but that also means you're either playing the Orlando Magic right. or you're playing the Brooklyn Nets in that right. first round, as opposed mm-hmm. to maybe the Pacers or the 76ers, whatever sure. team falls in that sixth seed. Yep. Who would you favor to get into that two seed, and who do you see as the biggest challengers to the Bucks well, to make the finals? You know, I'd be a fool to bet against Toronto based on what they've been doing. Um, they're, they're deep, they're smart, they're well-coached, they're disciplined. Uh, I do think the Celtics are right there, and I, and I wouldn't rule out Miami. Iguodala's going to round into shape. So those are the three teams I look at the most. The Sixers, I don't know if they'll end up climbing all the way to that two seed, but I will tell you this, I wouldn't want to play them in the postseason. And, and I know that, he and, uh, that Joel and Ben Simmons are still trying to figure things out, but, man, they're scary. Mm-hmm. Christmas Day against the Bucks. The other night against the Clippers, Ben Simmons, when Joel was out, was just, to me, one of the, I mean, the job he did on Kawhi Leonard the other night, he's established himself as one of the best two-way players. Yeah, I think he could be that. So, there, you know, there's a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't even mentioned the Pacers. We haven't even seen a, a smidgen of what Victor Oladipo can do. It takes time. We know it takes time. So, th- I think the number two seed is important. But I don't. I, I think any one of those teams could overcome it. I really believe that. Mm. I yeah, do. I think the East is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, yeah. in the West, Denver, Houston, Utah. Uh, it should be an exciting playoffs all in all. In all. Uh, I'll leave you with one more question. Uh, so today, Frank Vogel said that there's a chance that DeMarcus Cousins can come back and practice mm. uh, by the end of the regular season, potentially be in the playoff rotation. But he tore his ACL in August. It seems... That's way too soon. Yeah. And, and I just, if I were DeMarcus Cousins, I wouldn't do that. But, I mean, I don't want to, you know, he's a, big, he's a big man. He can do what he wants. And, and I'm not sure that he fits the style they're playing right now either. Mm-hmm. So um, I, don't, I don't know how that, I, I'm not sure if that's a turning point for them. Yep, for sure. It takes a long time for bigs to get back. And how can they integrate him in when they've already got Javel McGee and Dwight Howard who've given him great minutes, great minutes. So you you just said you had 
you spoke with Patrick Beverly. You have a piece coming out with him? No, no, we did a podcast oh, together today on the nice. Woj podcast. Yeah. Nice, he nice, was fantastic. I will be sure He's to check. Bulldog. <laughs> I'll be sure to check that out. And to your point, uh, Stu Lance, who does the color commentary mm-hmm. for Spectrum Sportsnet, he's mentioned that he wants the Lakers to try and get Danny some more open shots because obviously Danny's not coming off the dribble. Right. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Frank Vogel evolves that offense. Because uh, actually, one more question. Because I don't feel this is where I feel personally. I don't feel like. We've seen the New Orleans Anthony Davis so far from the Lakers offense. Well, I'm not sure you will because mm-hmm. of the way they're structured. And, you know, they're Embiid, before he got hurt, so I'm, I haven't seen the numbers recently, mm-hmm. but Embiid was the number one post-up player. And by post-up, I mean, I'm not talking about in the paint like Giannis, mm-hmm. not driving to the paint, not putbacks. I'm talking about Back to the actual basket. post-up. But second was Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And that's not how New Orleans really used him. And... I don't blame for Frank for doing it. It's a high percentage shot. So mm. I think I think every team is still evolving. There's a lot of there's a lot of time left. You know? <laughs> but if I'm the Clippers, I I'm worried because I think it's and again I, I haven't checked the standings recently, but Paul George and Kawhi had played around 23 or 24 games together. That is not enough. Mm. It's just not. You need to you need more games than that for continuity purposes. Well, from a Laker fan perspective, which I'm not, but speaking for Lakers fans, I'm mm-hmm. sure they, they would prefer that way so they can have an easier chance to potentially get that well, other I mean, title. It's just one of the things we talked about with Pat today on this mm. pod is how exciting it is to have these two teams just totally... I, I mean, every time I talk to someone from the Clippers, they're like, oh, don't worry, the Lakers, we're, we're, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. We will stop them. And the Lakers will be like, oh, no, not in our building. The Clippers, that is not happening. And to have them both playing in the same building, mm-hmm. Pat was telling us the story today about being in the weight room, and one of the uh, Lakers was playing their music before game, but it was a Clippers game. He's like, "Get your music out of here, man! Mm. It's our day today." Like, what a great dynamic! There's a lot of fun stories. We've yeah, got it should, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, and if, if it ends up being a Western Conference Finals, Staples Center will be rocking. We'll be, it will be an interesting dynamic, though. Oh, it'd be so fun! Yeah, yeah because good. I don't know if it would be if the Lakers would, you know, when you get a tense home crowd. It could be an interesting dynamic with the Clippers Although, putting Pat, a lot of pressure on the situation. But Pat told me today, he said, it's a Lakers town. I said, what if you win? He said, they'll boo us at our own parade. Isn't that <laughs> oh, great? And, he, and he'll love best. it, yeah. yeah <laughs> Jackie, thank you for your time. Hope you All get right. to enjoy thank the you. rest of All-Star Weekend. Okay. <laughs>